I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. Prior to having her own children, Amber traveled to a midwifery clinic in Mexico to train and attend births as a doula. Her work there helped shape the choices she would make for her own births later down the road. With her first child, she planned a hospital birth with midwives, and after a very quick labor, she barely made it to the hospital in time. For her second, she thought, why not a home birth? So tell me how and when and why did you get introduced to birth, and what made you want to be trained as a doula? Yeah, um, great question. I don't actually know what... What? You're supposed to not and talk, we have remember? Jack here, too, <laughs> her firstborn. Um, it's hard to try trace it back, sort of what got me interested in being a doula, but I think it's just one of those things that I've always been interested in, psychology and women's health and bodies and such. So um, I, I looked into becoming a doula. I did the kind of the educational, like, in the classroom part, and then I, I trained down in Mexico at a women's health nonprofit down there. Mm-hmm called CASA, um, that it has a midwifery school and um, uses doulas and allowed me to train there and attend a few births there in Mexico. Why Why in Mexico? Like, what drew you to Mexico as far as doing your training and, and doing births there? I think it was a great combination for me. I love to travel, and I've lived in Latin America and speak Spanish, and I wanted to have an experience and also practice the skill. So Amazing. it was a perfect sort of combination. And how long ago was this? Gosh, that was probably 10 years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever then take the training and attend births in the States? I never, I do not think, no, I did not attend any births in the States. I stopped the training. I felt like I maybe wanted to experience birth for myself before I went through the training any further. It might be something I revisit like later in life, but now I'm on my a different track. So Cool. We'll see. I think it's kind of interesting, and I think if anything... I found that when I did my doula training as a young woman, I was like, every woman should do this regardless if they go into the doula world because it's just such a great introduction to like how your body works and what's normal and because no one really talks about it until it's that time and there's, and then there's mixed hormones and more anxieties. And so that's cool that you did that as a kind of precursor to your own experience. The, um, the birth partner, the book by, Mm -hmm. I think Penny Simkin, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, obviously a a required reading and I, I, I recommend it to all my friends who are going through birth. Just, it's about being a birth partner and what it's like to go through birth. But it was so empowering just to have that knowledge and to know the full range of what's possible. Um, that, yeah, I agree that it's an empowering thing to just have that education. Did a lot of your friends, when they started having babies, come to you because you had done training and had a little bit more education and did they want you a part of their births or I don't think I mean I I don't it was so long ago before any of my friends were having babies and all my friends you know most of my friends a lot of them still even haven't had children and or had them when they're 35 36 37 so that was sort of like my previous life mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um yeah um <clears throat> so with your first pregnancy and birth, what were some things that came up for you as far as fears or concerns in planning um, a hospital birth? Because I'm assuming mm. the births that you saw in Mexico, were they outside of the hospital or was it a... They were in the, the midwifery c- clinic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they were with a doctor. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> one of the births I attended in Mexico was the woman was totally alone, mm. and I had just arrived on the plane to Mexico. I barely knew anything about the organization or the people, and <laughs> they were like, do you want to help her out? She's totally alone. She needs a helping hand. So I walked in. She was in the stage where she's like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. It's like, you know, I didn't know if she at that point wanted to be touched or not. Like what, I don't even know how far along she was. Anyway, for her, it was a really tough, um, it was a really tough labor. It, uh, she started bleeding a lot and she just kept saying like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And she was totally alone. Um, so that was, that was like a really challenging sort of moment to be dumped into. So the reason I brought that up is because, um, it sort of symbolizes like the things that I would not want to have happen, um, which is being alone, feeling unsure and not knowing it was her first child, um, not knowing what to expect and being unprepared. So I did do a lot of reading, um, but I kind of pulled on my doula training too. And I felt like I, you know, I chose UCLA because they have a midwifery program there. They had midwives that, you know, attend births. Um, and so I just felt comfortable. Like it was a good sort of mix for me at that time of being in a medical setting um, and also have the like midwifery touch there. So I could kind of head any issues off at the past from both sides. Cool. Yeah, UCLA, that's one of my favorite hospitals. And I would even tell women who, you know, lived across town, like, it's a, like you will have time to get there. I mean, yes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not in your case, but, but uh, yeah. you'll have time to get there. And it's worth the drive because, yes. because the care felt is that so way. magnificent. I did not um, enjoy the pre-care, frankly, like the, the prenatal care. Um, I, I wasn't with the midwives at that time. I was with a doctor and it felt like a, a what's it called? A conveyor belt mm -hmm. of, you know, factory. Yeah. Um, once I got past six months or four months or five months or whatever it was, I switched over to the midwives and that felt a lot better. And just, just, I was like, oh, this is me. You know, this mm. is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this more laid back sort of personal touch. And once I found that, I was like, oh man, I should have done this earlier. That said for this, my second child, I still did go to that same doctor for the first few months of the pregnancy until I sort of started accepting this idea of like, oh, maybe I can do it differently this mm. time. That's interesting. So, and we'll get to that in a second mm -hmm. about just going back to the same physician in the, in the first uh, few weeks, which is actually quite common that I find amongst our clients, um, you know, who kind of just want to make sure everything is okay. That's kind of the rationale before yeah. transferring over to midwifery care. But Which is ironic because, you know, from what I've learned since then, um, you know, all the same tests Sarah can do, all the same, you know, making sure things are okay. And I know that now. Um, but at the time I didn't know that or feel comfortable in that. So yeah. it's just an education. Totally. Um, so tell me a little bit about Jack's birth and your experience giving birth to him. Yeah. And okay. he is present to contribute any, yeah. anything you want to say. <laughs> so my first son was born in the hospital, obviously at UCLA, as I mentioned, um, he was about a month early or before the due date, so he was about 36 weeks um, he came along and weighed almost seven and a half pounds, so he was a big guy. Um, <laughs> and it was about, you know, midnight. Um, I started feeling some sort of strange, like, rush of water, which didn't end up being my water breaking. I still have no idea what that was, but it was a sign that something was happening. I called um, Kate Zachary, who was our doula, at the time 
and she was so astute. She just knew right away. She was like, okay, you, you're gonna, you, it's time to go to the hospital. And I was like, well, this has just started, but no, this is time. Wow. So we hopped in the car. My husband was driving, and he um, packed a bag full of socks and <laughs> a few Blackberries and about four onesies, and that's about it. Wow. And <laughs> totally flustered. Of course, we were unprepared. We didn't have a it was a month we were not yeah. expecting this we didn't have a car seat or any of that good stuff but we made our way to the hospital I guess we got there around midnight and um and I started having very frequent contractions just every few minutes in the car and uh my husband got lost and could not find his way to UCLA after living here for 40 oh, years no. <laughs> stress and was quietly asking me for okay, is this do we take the 405 north or south <laughs> where do we go it was very it was a very LA moment uh-huh. found our way to the hospital um, and then they, you know, they checked me and I forget how dilated I was, but it was, it was go, go, go after that. And I kept thinking that I had to go to the bathroom and I kept thinking, you know, all the signs were there. Like, and I, it was just about two and a half hours, maybe three, three hours after that, that Jack was born. Wow. Yeah. So when you felt that kind of rush of water, which, you know, it's interesting, a lot of women do experience, especially as their cervix is starting to change, like what's called cervical fluid even though it's kind of this like mm. mystery term, but we use it quite a bit because it's not amniotic fluid and it's not just like mucus. It's like very watery yes. cervical fluid. But yes. had you been experiencing contractions at all leading up to that? Not or a thing. That was like and the I first... kept trying to ask myself, like, are you feeling anything? Yeah. You know, you gotta, gotta be on guard here. Like what, not a thing. And I'm, I feel like I'm very in touch with my body and I'm aware of things that are going on usually. Yeah. This just totally caught me off guard, which was kind of, it was just so super unusual for me to feel like, wow, I did not see that coming. Yeah. And then, and then you started contracting in the car thereafter. Yes, I think so. Now looking back on it, I probably had a few contractions in at home mm-hmm. before we got in the car, but I, but it was so early, but the way the contractions happened for me is that at the, the, the two, both the times is that, you know, it just feels like a period cramp. And then literally the next minute it's every few minutes, having contractions. So mm. it's just from zero to 60 in, you know, 30 minutes. And if you can remember, did the period cramp kind of feeling advance to something else? Or was it mm. like, it was just that but frequently? It was, I guess then it became more of a, more of a major contract. I mean, yeah. it definitely increased in its intensity, but Gosh, it's funny how little you remember the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yes, they definitely increased in intensity as we went along. And so then Kate met you there at the hospital. She assuming. got there right after he came out. Wow. <laughs> so she couldn't even make it there in time. Wow. Um, my mom was going to fly down from San Francisco. Kate was supposed to come, obviously, be there before. And she was awesome because she came right after and just slipped right in and helped me with the breastfeeding and, mm. you know getting doing the placenta and all of that stuff but she was not there for the actual birth and how was your husband during all this kind of (laughs) crazy kind of quick things are happening and your dude is not there and yes as you can imagine deer in headlights he took a funny picture of himself in the bathroom (laughs) um a selfie into the mirror of this like astonished look on his face which I think sums up exactly what he was feeling which is just like what the heck was that Mm -hmm. like that was crazy you know we both had like kind of tears in our eyes just like thinking like wow I have no idea what just happened mid-conversation our recording was cut off 
we pick up at Amber's decision to choose a home birth for her second child. And and was this a decision or a thought that was supported amongst your support group and husband and yeah, family? For the most part, I think my mom, without saying it, was frightened by my choice and worried that I was all the things that you're worried, you know, oh, the midwife is going to not take you to the hospital if you need to be or mm-hmm. not make the decision that's, you know, that you need in medical intervention or whatever that how long is it going to take to get all of these kind of concerns. So she met Sarah Howard, our midwife, and she um, sort of got all of her questions slowly answered over a series of sessions that I think made her feel more comfortable with my decision. Um, I think my husband's mom was sort of questioning the the decision as well. Um, But people in my peer group and in my age thought that it made a lot of sense. And in fact, my neighbor and cousin um, had her baby right here next door Aww, as well. So nice. Yeah. Were you around for that birth? No, or that was sort of before, yeah, before we had moved here. So at what point in your pregnancy did you find and switch to Sarah? I'm trying to remember, but I think it was around five months. Okay. Uh, can't quite remember exactly, but it was somewhere right around then. And you, so before that you were with UCLA midwives or the doctor? Before that, I was with the doctor. Okay. Did you did you let your doctor know that you were choosing to do a home birth at that? You know what? I did not. I was so frustrated again with the care, and I didn't. I don't think they missed me. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I remember thinking like, oh, I should really let her know they're going to be concerned, and then I'm like, no, they won't. They won't even know that I'm gone. And there was never a follow up. Which is frightening. Call. No. There was no follow-up, no question like, is everything okay? Where'd you go? No. Wow. So, and I knew that was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is I was wondering if they would give you any, well, I mean, I guess with your second birth, you were over the age of 35. Mm-hmm. And did that ever come up for you as far as this mm-hmm. advanced maternal age and being at higher risk, which is mm-hmm. this stigma, which is mm-hmm. based on the fact that it only slightly increases your chances of having a baby with genetic abnormality. It has nothing to do with your capability yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, ability of growing a healthy baby and birthing a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. I don't think it factored in for me because I, I got every single test I could possibly feel comfortable getting that wasn't too invasive. And, and, um, I did what I could there from that, on that regard. And also I feel like in my learning about everything, I, it just, it just rolled off me. I was sort of like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I wasn't concerned. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really factor in. And it sounds like even amongst your peer group too, like that was, like you said, some of your friends haven't had babies yet and they're 35, 36. And so, yeah. Um, and so how did you find Sarah? I think for some women, it's still kind of a mystery of how you find a midwife and that option. So what was that process for you? I did the usual, like, searching around the internet. Um, I obviously talked to Kate to get her insights. And then uh, 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 one of the mothers in my oldest son's class um, is a doula as well. And she recommended, I mean, it was great. I said, you know, do you, any, do you know any midwives that you recommend? And then her first question is like, well, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what type of person? So I was like, oh, great question. You know, there are so many. So I said yeah. I'd like a combination of someone who's really personable, who really knows their stuff clinically. And, you know, I I forget what the criteria were. And so she recommended Sarah. Um, And I interviewed, I think, probably three different women. Mm -hmm. 
one of which was a woman who worked on her own, who was probably around 50, um, who was recommended by my neighbor cousin. Um, and then another, uh, set of women that worked together in a partnership, which I thought was kind of neat. And then Sarah, um, there were a couple of others that I looked at and sort of didn't end up talking to, um, who I felt had like a stronger um, personality, like not strong personality, but like, I feel like they were really like midwifery or bust, uh-huh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, right. And birth I, or nothing. Yeah. And I, I feel that way in a lot of ways, but I, I just like Sarah's attitude and I like the other women I spoke to too. And, but when I met her really, it was like, this is, this is right for me. Amazing. Yeah. She felt like I knew her for many years. And did you do most of her, your visits at the house or at her space or a combination? Cool combination. Of both? So as we got further along, she did a couple of home visits, which I liked, um, and was so comfortable. I mean, what more, you, you, you just come home, you know, you have the exam, especially as we started getting closer to the date and, my second child was almost 40 weeks. I mean, he, so I kept thinking at 36 weeks because of my previous experience, he's, he's going to come, he's going to come. Uh-huh. And he didn't. So there was a whole month where I was like, come on, baby, let's do it. Wow. And so she would come over and, you know, help me kind of get through that. And so that was really, mm. really special. And, but a lot of them were in her office and I liked going to her office and having um, those meetings, which were very holistic and so different than my experience at UCLA. I mean, the doctor at UCLA was clacking on the computer, asking me just the rote questions. And it just felt like such a waste of time. What am I doing here? This is not, mind and body is not being soothed by this experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, and they kind of just get to the basics of like, is your baby moving? Yes. Are you bleeding? Okay. Great. And it's like, I could have just said to myself before I came to the hospital, am I feeling okay? Like generally, <laughs> like I'll go get the blood tests I need to get, but like, I know I'm not, not, I know I'm not this, I'm not that. Like, I don't even need to go in. Mm. But with Sarah, it was like, here's some of the things you might be thinking about mentally, psychologically. Here are some of the things your body's going through. Here's why. And it was educational. I mean, it was pretty amazing. It was like a therapy session, mm. you know. How were your pregnancies as far as, you know, comfort, both physically mm. and emotionally? How were those different? Do you, I mean, do you think the care that you received, mm-hmm. um, and in, in both pregnancies kind of affected that and, and made a difference either way? Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell. My, during my first pregnancy, my, my father passed away. Oh, so sorry. that was so, like, so much to get through and so traumatic. And I feel like that influenced me in so many ways. And I always question, you know, did my first son come early because I was mm. going through all of that? But um, so that, I think, was probably the thing that felt like it was more impactful on the experience. Both times I had like just awful nausea for the first three months. Like I used to just take like a photo of my meal every day, which was usually like two particles of rice with like two peas and like maybe a piece of cheese. And the first pregnancy, you know, it was just cheese and bread. And so the first, and then I, we took a trip to Italy and just the smell of pasta and wine and the things that normally sound so Mm -hmm. lovely were just not happening. So that was really, I felt for the second pregnancy and I knew I was going to have morning sickness again. I felt like it was never taken seriously as like a real Mm -hmm. physical problem. Like it, it affects you psychologically. Um, and it 
when you look online, it's like jokey women holding their tummies being like, oh, I feel so morning sick. But when it gets to a certain point, it's totally incapacitating. You can't move. You can't go to work. You can't. It's it's a serious condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really nothing to do about it unless you want to take these medicines, which I felt like I was just nervous to take. I didn't know mm-hmm. what. So that, I think, was. And then the second pregnancy, I think, cause that, maybe because I was older or I don't know why. But I felt just more body sore. I feel like I had sciatica, you know, all those things that like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And that's, that's also, I mean, yeah, the first trimester, the physical stuff like that, you know, is it's nice to have a, a person to check in with because yeah. even though you know all the things that you need to do to kind of get through it, and like you said, there's really not much you need, you can mm-hmm. do other than get through it. It can be really mentally, um, challenging, like mm-hmm. you said, and that it's very, depressing to not yes. be able to be the person who you're used to being. Yes. And, and that's very frustrating and mm-hmm. kind of, I think like a glimpse into the yes. uh, end of the yes. spectrum of like, <laughs> you're in bed recovering postpartum, yes. you know, and even though of course you're doing so much to keep your baby alive, it feels like you're doing quote nothing. Right. And, right. um, totally. so yeah, I think that's another benefit of, of, you know, even though you don't start care with a midwife until 10 or 12 weeks, similar to an mm-hmm. OB, um, that can be sometimes a benefit of, of just being able to text someone and being like, yes, someone to be like, yeah, this is shitty. Yes. You know, like, uh-huh. and just to validate that because otherwise, you know, people just go like, but it's all for the baby, you know? And, mm-hmm. and of course mm-hmm. it's for the baby. Sometimes it's not what you want to hear. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. No, that personal touch was one of the best things of just mm. being able to like text somebody or call somebody. I, I remember one time at UCLA, and it's funny because I, I do love the hospital, but mm-hmm. just the, the care that you've received prenatally was not great. But um, I, I remember trying to get in touch with the nurse practitioner, and I called, I probably called three or four times over the course of like three days, and I emailed, no response, nothing. And then when I was with Sarah, I would text, and like within a few minutes, I would get a text back. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty normal, or oh, that's here's probably why you're feeling that way. It's just like you have someone there that's on your side. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Oh, thanks. First pregnancy. You know, it's interesting. I feel like I, when there's, when there's death, that's a part of a pregnancy or right before a birth. I feel like those women's experiences, particular experiences happen in a way that's very different to other women in that you go through the biggest, you know, challenge of having to surrender to something that's really hard and, and, um, it's a natural thing. I mm-hmm. mean, in the sense that maybe not the cause of it, but just the, that process. And mm-hmm. do you feel like going through that at all influenced the way you kind of perhaps let go in birth? Did that ever come mm. up for you in your first labor or birth? Yeah, or? I, that's a good question because I, leading up to the birth, I remember thinking like, I'm worried that this is going to come up and like slam me during mm. the labor. Like, I'll be weak. I'll be, you know, vulnerable. And this is going to just, it's going to bowl me over and I'm not going to be, it's like, I have been controlling it so that, you know, when it, when my dad passed away, it was pretty sudden. And, mm-hmm. um, and I remember like holding in the emotion because I didn't want it to affect the baby, you know? And I also, I just, I needed to stay focused on making a positive life form. Um, and so I kind of had this feeling like I won't be able to hold it in anymore. And I mean, there were many times where I was not capable of holding it in and I, you know, went through cycles of sadness and this and that and acknowledgement and all of this. But 
I was afraid that would happen because it was so fast. I didn't, my mind did not go there. It was, it was just in the moment of like getting this done. Wow. So it didn't, I didn't factor in into factored in how I dealt with the pregnancy, but not the labor itself. Mm, Interesting. So what were, because I think everyone has fears going into each birth. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it makes, it's only natural and it kind of makes you be a better parent and be more prepared. And you kind of can't, it's very rare that there's very like zero fears. It maybe has nothing to do with the birth. Maybe it's postpartum, but was there anything that came up for you going into your second birth that was different than your first or similar? Mm -hmm. And if so, how did you kind of resolve that Mm. before the birth? I didn't feel, I mean, I guess I felt a little like nervous about once I had agreed, you know, agreed in my mind to do a home birth, just sort of, I had a lot of questions, but I had enough time to get those all answered. So I don't, I don't feel like, I think that was the fear was just like, okay, this is going to be different. And how is it going to be different? And is this, you know, how's it going to play out? Mm -hmm. But it didn't necessarily feel like a fear. It just felt like an unknown Mm -hmm. and needing to sort of gather all my information. Did you ever fear that it would happen too fast? And that's true. Yes, I definitely. And I remember asking her, you know, you're going to like come like pretty much right (laughs) away. Right. Because I think it's going to go. And she's, she, I mean, she knows how, how things go. So, um, that was definitely a fear, but I also had convinced myself that like, this was like, you know, you always do like worst case scenario. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, worst case scenario, you reach down, you get the baby, <laughs> you know what to do. You know, like I was kind of going yeah. over and I would look at all the videos online and just like, I just said, worst case scenario, the baby's going to come and mm-hmm. you can just pull him up and wow. it's going to be fine. And you know, of course if it came to that, I don't know if I would have ever been able to do that, but <laughs> that was my thought at the time. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, how did you feel best prepared uh, for mm-hmm. giving birth emotionally and physically? Um, I did not feel like I was physically prepared because I had not been able to work out and not been able to meditate or, you know, do the things that one would like to be able to do. And I had like all sorts of pains and I gained tons of weight and I just physically did not feel prepared. Mm. I mean, what's there to prepare, but right. <laughs> mentally I felt like what I did there that made me feel good because I like to control and sort of understand is talk to Sarah a lot, gather all like listening to stories like this, frankly, and like watching stories. Like I just went onto YouTube and watched tons of different birth stories Mm. and was like, okay, like what would I feel like if it went this way? What would it feel like if it went this way? And that was helpful to me to understand the full range. Mm -hmm. Went back and like read the like doula books and tried to understand what's the full range of things that could happen. Mm -hmm. Like, letting that go, letting that just be whatever it was going to be, I mm-hmm. think helped me prepare. Cool. Was there anything in your first pregnancy that you feel like, I'm sure there'd be listeners being like, how does she have a fast, fast birth? And what can I do? You know, oh, are there things, to speed it up. <laughs> are there things that like, you know, would really, that, yeah, I think yeah. it's just what your body does. I think does. it's just my body. Just it wasn't like a, you walked five miles a day and never. you did. Yeah. No, I did not do any <laughs> of that stuff, which is sort of the second time well, we, we talk about that one, but yeah, it, it, I don't think it was me at all, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sort of the luck of the, mm-hmm. the body. Which is also kind of nice to hear that it's like, you can do all those things, but at some point you just have to let it go and trust yes. what your body does. Yes. So. That's yes. Nice. So yeah, let's hear about the birth of your second child. Okay. Yeah. So little Dove, um, 
So what I'm trying to think of how this proceeded. Oh yes. Oh, okay. you were four weeks four later weeks, than right. It was like so right around 40, 40 weeks. And um I was getting really frustrated and Sarah's like, let me come over and check you to see if you're at all dilated. And I think I was like three centimeters or something or like some tiny amount. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, let's try this special concoction. Mm-hmm. Um, apricot juice, uh, like a tiny teaspoon of castor oil. What else is in it? Pe- almond butter. Almond butter mm-hmm. um, ice. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you know, sure, yeah. let's try it. <laughs> and so I took it on a Sunday, more at like around noon. And, and were you like done at this point? I like was you done. wanted to like so have done. this baby. Like, um, yeah. He was also, I could tell he was gigantic and I was, gi- I, I just felt awful. I was like starting to have like prepartum like yeah. sadness or whatever, <laughs> you know? So I um, took this concoction. I was like, what the heck? Let's try it. Um, didn't feel anything for a couple hours. Sarah's like, hmm, that's interesting. It normally, you know, happens if it happens, if it works, it usually happens within a few hours. And by the time, I think it was only like Four hours after when I took it, I called her and I said, you know, I'm having some period cramps. She's like, let's keep an eye on those. Call me back if you can start timing them. Within a minute, I called her back and I'm like, yeah, they're coming regularly and every few minutes or, you know, um, she's like, okay, well, call me if they, you know, or something. It was like, call me if they start coming more frequently. Called her right back. I'm like, okay, they're coming more frequently. She's like, I'll be right over. She called her partner who was coming from Long Beach who just hopped in the car mm-hmm. and they, and they made their way over here. And, um, and I was like, you know, deep in it again. And because I knew all the signs to look for it, it just felt so much more comfortable and being in my house and they mm-hmm. set up all their stuff just quickly and efficiently. And like the lighting was nice. And my mom took my oldest son and my husband, um, was ready and, you know, we just, we just went through the routine. I went into the shower for a little while and Sarah could tell by the sounds I was making that it was time to come out of the shower, mm-hmm. got into the bed and it felt like, you know, a few minutes later. So that, I think that, that one was about an hour and 50 minutes That's from start wild. to finish. Yeah. That's Equally, I will say as intense as <laughs> yeah. know, people say, oh, you're so lucky. And I understand that, you know, long labors can be just emotionally and physically super taxing. Yeah. Um, and of course I felt like mine was very intense in its own way. <laughs> it's all that same labor just wrapped into a short amount of time. Yeah. Was water birth ever something you were interested in? Like doing? It wasn't a- for me. Yeah. Like I, you know, I think it's super cool and I love watching it. I think it's beautiful. Um, like water is not like sitting in a bathtub is like not my happy place, mm-hmm. but, um, like I, I love the idea of it. And so you never rented a tub. You never got a blow no. tub. You just knew that yeah. that wasn't, wasn't, wasn't interesting. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, and was there anything particular that your husband did that really helped as far as like physical, mm. you know, touch or some verbal affirmations that you remember that were helpful or, um, staying like North of the equator. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like I yeah. was like, okay, he knew he's like, he just quietly stayed behind me and uh-huh. just, I was like, okay, you know, like calm, yeah. putting his hand on my shoulder, um, being quiet, frankly, my husband loves to whistle and, um, make a lot of noise. So being quiet, mm-hmm. a quiet presence was very helpful. Good. <laughs> kind of taking cues from you of yeah. like what you would want. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Exactly. Um, how was the recovery in the postpartum uh, for mm. both for mm-hmm. both first and second? Did you have any lacerations from either birth? Yeah. Well, what was interesting was the first time I did and the second time I did not, huh. even though the second one was faster and 
Dove was a bigger baby. He How was nine he? and a half pounds, I think. Wow. So yeah, he was he was gigantic. And um, so the first one, I think I got a stitch or two, and the second one, I did not. So the recovery was great. I will say that Dove was born when he was born. He had like blood in his eyes, mm, like bloodshot. Yes, his... and his whole face, like he had been jammed through so quickly that <laughs> yeah. his whole face was purple. I mean, he looked like a like a um, a grape. Yeah, and um, and the eyes being bloody all around, it almost looked like the corneas were like lifted off. I mean, it was he was I was like nervous that it was like some lasting and it it lasted for a couple of months frankly that stuff takes a while probably to like drain down yeah but um the recovery was really great the second time Mm. like I was walking and moving around and you know Sarah came back a couple times which I love to check on me Mm -hmm. but it just felt like how cool is this to be in my bed with my children um Jack came back right away um he, he was with his grandmother and he came back right away, you know, within an hour to like mm-hmm. see the new baby. And, um, it was just a special time. The recovery was not bad at all. I was just glad to not be pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what time was Dove born? Um, 9.30. At night? Um, let's see. No, Dove was born, I think around six o'clock. Okay. Or 5.30. Perfect. Because the thing started working at like four. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so it felt like that, and then it was, like, dinner time, and then we went to bed, just like a normal night. Wow. So <laughs> nice. So it was very dreamy. And it was in your bedroom that you had? In the bedroom, yeah. And had you yeah. always pictured it there, or you just sort of... I thought I would want to be downstairs, but um, that was not comfortable. I don't know what I was thinking. Was it... I think some women also plan a home birth in, like, the room with the be- best view, and it's a little mm. bit more open. Yeah. And sometimes you find, like, the darkest, most coziest corner... Yeah, the house and or your bedroom and yeah. surprises. It just was the right place to be because the shower was there and it was the bed was comfortable and the yeah. light was nice. And yeah, it's all right. Amazing. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, it's also just so cool that you had two really lovely experiences, both in the hospital and at home. Because sometimes I think with the second being out of the hospital there's usually some kind of redemption from the first of it mm-hmm. not being such a great experience. Yes, and it's great that you had two wonderful experiences yeah. and you can yeah. relate to different kinds of women with different kinds of birth experiences. Yes. So, yes. so cool. Absolutely. Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for women planning an out of hospital birth? Um, this could mm. be something either you did and found really helpful or in hindsight you, you wish you did. Um, hmm. <sighs> that is a great question. Um, <laughs> I, it's so hard because I just feel like everyone's, decision and path is so unique and what works for one person will in no way work maybe that maybe my advice then could be don't listen to your friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) no just kidding (laughs) but it's really just I guess what I found I liked was finding what was right for me and what was right for me was was um finding a midwife who I felt super comfortable with that's numero uno and then just learning as much as I could about all the different possible realities and futures that was what was helpful to me. I think that could stress somebody else out to see like all the bad ways that a birth could go. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's like just knowing yourself and saying like, do I, do I feel comfortable in this decision? If yes, like what would make me feel more comfortable and just sort of letting, it's almost like this decadent moment where you get to do something the way you want to do it. So, yeah. That's amazing. And so perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's a pleasure to talk about 
your experience. Yeah. 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 And just it. be able to share it. And yeah. While each birth is unique, there's always, it's just nice to kind of hear it time and time again that like it works. Yes. You know, it works. It, it takes care of itself in one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.